I would say somebody that I didn't want to be around on the track at all would have been Trevor Bruner. And that's just out of, you know, Red Mile, we're two, three laps in, and, you know, he, he runs into the side of me for, you know, it's a mile. We got another eight minutes left. And I looked back at him and I gave him a, a hand wave, like, dude, what are you doing? Like, Episode 120, Tank Slapping Podcast. Solo mission today. I'm the only co-host. Rob is pit bike racing. I know I'm not there. <laughs> I had uh, some complicated situations come up where I had to bail on the pit bike race. My five-year-old decided to crash his moto bike and break his face in half. So no pit bike race for me. I'm already getting texts and calls from Dalton and Rob and the crew. So we'll have to take a rain check on that. But doing a pod today and the guest is Morgan Mishler. So we'll bring him in in a little bit here and chat with Merg. I didn't know we never had Merg on. So this will be uh this will be a good one. Merg's an interesting guy, man. He's, he's uh he's competitor too. He's, he's won quite a few races over the last few years. He's always, always up front. It seems like different equipment. So we'll get Merg on here in a bit. We'll do that interview. I want to do a shout out kind of just, uh, Godspeed to Ronnie Raw. Uh, really sad to hear that news. I, I think it was like one or two days ago. And I didn't know Ronnie uh, too well, but just a, a complete legend. And the few times I did meet him, really, really nice guy, gentleman in the sport. And anytime you you lose a legend like Ronnie, man, it's just it hits the sport hard. So shout out to all of his family and friends and fans and everybody who followed his career. And National number 52 for, man, I don't know how many years it was, but obviously Shayna is number 52. So, um, yeah, just really, really, really sad. But thinking with of of him and his family, I want to give a shout out to Mission Foods for supporting the podcast, keeping us going week in and week out, supporting the sport. Go to your local grocery store, order online, get the Mission Foods products. They do an incredible amount amount of things for the sport the the amount that they're spending and supporting the teams and the riders it's it would blow your minds as listeners it's it's just off the charts what they're doing and they're true fans of the sport so go support mission foods as they support the sport also want to give a shout out to bell power sports got a new bell helmet me and cruise because cruise crashed wadded his helmet up i was due for a new one so i got two brand new helmets from bell Shout out to them for keeping us safe. The quality and safety, as always, it's unmatched. If you start tank slapping or if you crash your PW50, <laughs> you want to be protected by Bell. A couple of things I wanted to go over, and then we'll bring on our guest. The official rules packet or package came out. I guess like we had a rules pod about a month ago, and it was like a bunch of red line rules, and uh, it wasn't official, I guess. Um, but some of the things, and I finally went through the rule book. Like I had a bunch of people text me and. I'm like, to be honest, I haven't even gone through the rule book yet. So I went through it this morning and just uh, checked out a few things. Uh, I did see, and something I wanted to bring up. So singles riders, if you have a singles license, you can use a wild card to run Super Twins races. You can do it for six weekends or six races, but you can only do it if you're a singles rider. So I think that's kind of lame. I think if you're going to let the singles guys bump up 
and ride the super twins class then you should also let the super twins guys if if they want i don't think i don't think many would but i think you should let the super twins guys use provisionals also to run the singles class um some people are probably like oh it's stupid but honestly like what's the what's the incentive for part-time super twins guys to even get a super twins i mean i guess you have to get the license as well i don't know maybe i'll look into this a little bit more with that like the licensing and how it works but i don't know i think it'd be cool for like some of these super twins guys to be able to you know like i you know maybe briar or uh even jared like maybe briar would do peoria i mean it'd be cool to see see the super twins guys ride the ride the 450 as well if that was an option so um so that was one one kind of rule that I was curious about. The other one, they are bringing back two chances to qualify. So back in the day, back in the day, it's not really that long ago, but used to have heat races and a semi to qualify for the main event. I mean, it's the standard way they did it for years and years and years. So, and then when Michael Locke came in, he thought it'd be better quote unquote to um have like a tournament format it was his exact words where you like race through the bracket and then like if you finish well like like we used to run a heat race and then we'd run a semi same same thing and then we'd run the main event or you would you know what i mean so now they're going back a little bit more traditional um two heats top six to the main one lcq top six to the main um i like it better that way it should have never been changed uh and like the format has like because of low rider counts it's like gradually sort of shifted anyway but if you didn't make the main in a semi if you had a mechanical or you just didn't make it you were done unless you had a provisional so i like that there's two chances to make a main you know i think the lcq as well it gives gives some other guys a chance to quote unquote win something that don't typically win a semi um, I was a big semi hero back in the day. I, I would always win semis. Uh, when I, and so it was cool that I got like some airtime just for winning the semis. And it's what Supercross does. It's what a lot of um, other forms of racing do as well. So I, I think that's that's cool. It, it went to, it's going back to that. I don't think it should have ever changed. I thought it was honestly, no offense, Michael, if you're listening, but I thought it was a stupid idea. I think you probably know that because we've talked about it. Uh, 107% rule. I liked having that, but it was so inconsistent. They took that away. So there's no 107% rule. If you get laughed multiple times, you could get a uh, blue flag or black flag, I guess it is. So, so I like, uh, I liked having that rule that's gone. A um, couple more here, two more here. I'll talk about the uh, F3 and R3 Dunlop compounds. We used to be able to use a softer compound on the short tracks and TTs. That option is no longer available. So you have to run the R5s or the R7s uh, on the miles, but no F3, no R3. It's actually, they're a really good tire. Dunlop crushed it with those tires, the R3 and the F3. It's uh, really, they're really popular in amateur racing, but I actually like the rule. I don't like having too many options. Like with the R3 and the F3, like for, for G&G racing last year, we, on the short tracks, we always had you know, those options in the van. And we always had the F5 and the R5 in the van. Like we always had these, we had to buy extra tires because you never knew what was going to be better. And then it was just, yeah, you ended up spending $650 on tires and then you ended up not even using them. We never even, I never raced with the R3. Like 
I was one of the only guys at Weedsport, I think, in my class that ran the R5, and we won. So um, really good tire, but I like less options. I think it's more affordable for the smaller teams. And honestly, traveling to the races in a van, like just fitting all the tires in there is it's just like a matter of space. So um, they do make a really good tire, that R3 and F3. So if you're an amateur or you're running outlaw races, definitely grab some of those. But as a pro, you know, it's nice to have less options. And then one more deal. Um, it's not really a, I think the rules changing, but liners in the tires, like there's so many guys out there in the singles class, especially that they're running liners in their wheels and it's fully, fully not legal. <clears throat> You're not supposed to have any <clears throat> like liners, obviously water tires. You can't you know, cut your tire. You can't rasp it, but some reason people are getting away with running liners like race after race. And you know, it's just one of the things like, I think we need to check that more. Uh, it makes a big difference on some racetracks. Like there's riders that you go to an outlaw race, they don't not run a liner. So I think there needs to be more, more strict, like checking over of that. Um, I'd pull those fucking wheels apart every other race and check them. And I would do it randomly. And then if you, if they have a liner, there needs to be a penalty that makes them not want to do, do that again. So, so the liner thing I needs to be, needs to be checked out more. And then also sound, the sound limit thing. It's actually crazy how far away we've gotten from checking sound. And we still have that in the rule book. Um, it, like a few years ago, they were checking sound every race. Like it was a big thing. Guys were building boom boxes, welding up, you know, shit to make their pipes legal. And now there's just, there's a sound rule, but there's probably 30% of the guys out there that I I, I would bet on that they're not passing sound. And then even when we check sound, it's just kind of like, it's not like a, a great, great way or process to check it. So my suggestion is take away sound, like just let us run open exhaust. If you ever go to world of Alloy race, those engines are piercing. Like I know, I think we did it because turf paradise and Arizona mile, we, um, we had to have sound to, to race there, but we don't go there anymore. So I don't know if there's any tracks that really care. Um, so I think we should, most of the tracks we run on are horse tracks and bumfuck Midwest or car tracks that it run sprint car, you know, they run sprint cars anyway. So anyway, I, that's one thing too. I, I just think we should take away, take away the sound thing. Cause when you check it, it's like how accurate is it? You know what I mean? So cool. Well, that's the C-Tex rules agenda. Uh, if Rob was on, we'd probably get a lot more input on that, but our first guest, or our only guest today, actually, is uh, is on the line. We're going to bring him in. I want to make sure, before we bring Merg on, I want to give a shout-out to the crew at Indian Motorcycle. Since 1901, Indian Motorcycle has been the choice of riders who make their own rules. Go check out your local Indian Motorcycle dealership. Uh, a favorite of mine is Whole Shop Power Sports in Fleming Island, Florida. They support Winter Throwdown every year. But go find your local dealership, test ride a motorcycle, buy some gear, they do a lot for the sport and they're going to continue <clears throat> supporting flat track and they're really big in moto America and bagger racing and man, they do hooligan racing. They help out amateur events. They're, they're really involved with the sport. So shout out to Indian, but Merg, Mergalicious is on the line. Merg, what's going on, dude? Not too much, man. Just chain, just uh, hanging out in Palm Coast, Florida. Yeah. You're staying with Janice, right? So, uh, and you guys been boys for a while, but how's, how's that been? Like, uh, now that you guys are together every, every day, do you guys drive each other nuts? Uh, I don't think so. 
I mean, I'd, I'd do my best to not get kicked out just because I don't want to explore what other options I have down here. But, you know, if I, you know, at least I have my van in the driveway, I can always probably pop in there and, and you know, separate myself if I need to. But I, I don't really think I'm that difficult to live with. I try my best to clean up after myself and, you know, not be a headache because I do understand that this isn't my house. So I'm happy to help in whatever way I can. Nice. No, that's cool, man. No, it's cool to have somebody like Jesse, like with anybody in racing, have somebody to kind of train with and work with. And he's like, he's come a long way with like his, his dedication too. So it's, it's cool to have somebody to kind of, you know, hold you accountable, ride with, et cetera. So uh, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of fun so far getting into a bunch of different stuff as far as mountain biking, getting, uh, going on the group ride yesterday was, uh, was a great time. Got to go and just experience different, different environment and different people. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun. And I mean, do I, do I see it being a problem at any point? No, I, I am pretty, pretty conscious of any, anything that I do to, uh, you know, piss him off or whatever, but <laughs> You know, it's, it's, you know, he, he's like a big brother to me and couldn't really, couldn't really have uh, somebody who was more diligent and like, you, you know how he was eight years ago, 10 years ago, yeah. somewhere around there, you know how he was. <clears throat> so for the little turnaround that he's had, it's been, it's been pretty, pretty inspirational in that sense. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt, man. I, I agree a hundred percent. And that's like, you know, when you lose to somebody that, you know, puts in the work, it's not, it doesn't sting as much to lose, you know, somebody that's not, not putting the work in. Um, are you on speakerphone right now? Or are you on like a headphone or something? It's kind of like, sounds kind of weird. Headphone. So it see probably sounds can, like. Yeah. See if you can do it on just, you're like holding the phone normally. See if it sounds different. All right. I'll get rid of my freedom. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All righty. So. Let's get into uh, some other things, dude. There's a lot to talk about. I've never had you on the pod, dude. Do you listen to the pod or no? Yeah, long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, I'm like sitting there thinking, I'm like, man, I, I need to get a guest. And you you were literally, we just got done the group ride. I'm like, oh, fuck, Merck, have you ever been on? You're like, no. I'm like, damn. So, um, yeah, so I've known you for a while. I remember you as an amateur. I think the first time I've seen you or noticed you was at, I want to say it was Springfield Short Track. You did really well. One of the amateur days, maybe it was like 2000, shit, I don't even know, 12 or 13 or something. Um, so I noticed you there. And then I guess one of your biggest breakthrough rides was winning. Um, you're a multiple time Dairyland Classic winner, but when you first won it, it was kind of like an upset win. So that was kind of like, it's like, oh man, Mishler's like, he's a good rider. He's fast. But uh, at what point did you like, you know, make that transition from amateur to pro where you actually felt like you could do this for a career? For a career that was like after I graduated college. And I mean, honestly, that was probably more like 2021 for me when I was able to, make that entire year work and ended up getting third in the championship that uh that was like oh 
like because originally that wasn't really the plan like it wasn't something that i thought was would be in my cards as far as being a kid because i mean i grew up on we only had like three copies of crusty demons and i have no idea how my parents allowed me to watch it with everything that was in it but dude growing up like that would just fire me up to just want to ride and then through the years of my grandma owning the beaver cycle club track up in atwater wisconsin that's only like 10 minutes from where my dad is and so i actually had like a, a pretty good spot to go but i didn't really go like too often it was honestly there was like a couple of days we had youth football in the in the morning we'd get done with that and then we'd go to the track and i'd go race so it was uh like really had a, a lot of fun as a kid because i'd show up i would know everybody everybody would know me and then atwater was honestly a badass little short track that was a, a cushion it was similar to i'd say galesburg or springfield in the in the beginning just because it was super hooked up but by the end of the night the track would deteriorate and there'd be some uh there's there'd be some pretty big holes but overall like dude it was so much fun growing up there and they have a big tt there also and the tt is a ton of fun i'd say it ranks up there with lucky thumb in my personal opinion i think it's better than lucky Th so you know growing up there was a lot of different things that i got to do but was racing ever like pushed upon me no it was something i always wanted to do but never really was like you know focused on it yeah well that makes sense i mean <clears throat> i don't know if many people know but you grew up in a harley davidson family um your grandpa i think started uh was it called Mischler's harley davidson like they started that and man yeah. i think it was like the 50s right so talk about that a little bit because i'm the same way and not honestly it's kind of crazy to me like not a lot of people know my harley background because it's it's been so long now since since I was involved, but dude, I grew up in a Harley shop every single day. And I would, I would think you were probably the same way. Like you probably spent a lot of time in a dealership. Yeah, I was, uh, so when I first got my license, that's where I worked my first job. If you want to call it a job <laughs> and, you know, just washing bikes, doing a little bit of detailing, whatever. And it was honestly just a, a solid spot to be able to work. And, you know, I didn't, I never made any big mistakes. I never tipped any bikes over. I never wrecked anything too bad. I, I had, wish I uh, could say the same. <laughs> I, I had a, a brake clip for one of the Harleys. It got stuck in the wash mitt. And I ended up destroying this dude's fairing on this on this street glide. And oh my God, I thought my life was over. <laughs> <laughs> I had uh I had two big moments. So one one was I was I was really young and it was like we were a, a Buell dealership. Like we were one of the first Buell dealerships in the country and the first ever Buell that came out. Like I was probably 11 12 years old. I was fucking tiny too. I mean, um <laughs> and I I remember hot my dad was letting me ride the Buell around the parking lot and I could barely touch on it. It was so heavy. And like somebody yelled my name and I like slammed the front brake. And I, I crashed like pretty much the first Buell we ever got. I just tipped it over in the parking lot. 
um trashed it i would dude i ran away like i didn't come back to the shop for like six hours like i was so so scared of my dad <laughs> um and then i used to it's kind of funny you like my first job at the dealership i did uh I sold stuff on eBay, but there was a point in time where like I lived in the wash bay too. Like I would detail bikes and, and I always liked, I always liked it. Cause I didn't have to talk to anybody. I could just wash bikes and do my thing. But I used to PDI the bikes. Like when they come off the crate, um, mm -hmm. I would like set them up for like the showroom and test, test rides. And I don't know why they ever thought this was a good idea, but they gave me like a $5 bonus. It sounds not like a lot, but back then it was like decent, a $5 bonus for every bike I would PDI just to like, I don't know, like motivate me, I guess. But I would try, I would just like try to do so many, like to get them just done so I can make like extra money that I was just like kind of half-assing, like putting them together. <laughs> and uh, I forgot to tighten the handlebars. Uh, and one of the mechanics on the test ride he comes back fuming because the the bars like they bent forward on the highway because I forgot to tighten <laughs> tighten the bars. So, uh, yeah, good good Harley memories, man. That's uh, do they still have the dealership or no? No, we had to close doors in uh 2020 just because COVID is slowing. And with uh where Harley was at, we were a smaller dealership, so the incentive to keeping us around wasn't very high. And so they were honestly kind of pushing us out anyway. So ended up yeah. closing doors in 2020. We also had a BMW side of the dealership. And so we were a Harley and BMW dealership as well. So it was, uh, it was honestly a bunch of fun because <laughs> I, I got to work with both my cousins and those two had raced flat track their entire life and they'd had support from the dealership. So you know, they, they'd had good equipment growing up their entire lives where I grew up and it was basically kind of whatever, whatever my dad could find and whatever hand-me-downs were around, that's what I got, you know, kind of dished out with. But, you know, through the amateur ranks and everything, I'd, I'd never really raced at any other track on water. Like there, there was one other one, Astalon, but we never really went over there after, there was uh, an altercation between my cousin Danny and uh, Ion Steer. They just, I want to say there was just too much drama there and uh, they didn't want us around all of that. So we never really went to Azzy, nor do we really have the money to kind of do that much of the D16 series. So we first actually like kind of started getting into it when I popped onto a 254 stroke. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so that was trying to think of the years but you so i guess i'm jumping forward a little bit but you turned pro in was it 15 or 16 i I turned pro in like 14 i ended up getting uh oh do you remember matt Cunningham? oh yeah 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 good dude he uh they got those guys put me on their 450 because jake had jumped up to the men's class so i actually had a rocket ship for a bike and when we were out in sturgis i think i qualified 13th and then i don't know how many people were there for the singles but I ended up qualifying like 13th or something around there and i was pretty impressed with that but matt had came up to me after practice because i mean i wasn't always wheels in line and smooth it was going into the corner i would jam the rear brake try to pitch that thing in so it you know 
got to get those cool photos at least you know be able to document where i'm at but ended up by like he he reamed my ass for that you know trying to pitch the thing and he's like what are you doing (laughs) but you know from from then then that's the year that it ended up like filling up the infield all the way up to the water truck tires which at least like beyond your waist so at least got my my toes wet there and then raced indy mile didn't make the main at indy mile but had a, a solid showing there as far as like made it to the lcq <laughs> yeah yeah i was just talking about how weird the uh like the formats have changed over the years so um yeah, so you you ended so I guess going forward, you you did the privateer thing for a really long time, and uh, your your first win was at the Texas Half Mile in 2018, and that was kind of that was like a hard fought win, and it was like I, I guess it wasn't a surprise at that point because I want to say you had you've scored podiums prior to that, right? I mean, talk about your 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 first win. I mean, that was you know, you almost crashed after the finish line. I mean, it was like pure Merg, Merg fashion, just exciting during the race and after. So like all day, it felt good. Like just uh, like, this is back when it was all for fun. And, you know, I didn't really see a future in it for me. It was just something that if I would get enough support, I would take it a little bit more serious, but the support hadn't come. So I was having as much fun with it that I could. And I ended up like winning my heat race, like uh, best to get a wheelie up for the finish line. And then uh, for the main event, went out there, wasn't the first person in the corner. Brandon Price was the first person in the corner. And then he ended up pushing Luker a little bit up and I sliced underneath. And then I was, I was fortunate they had the, uh, jumbo screen and going into three so i got to see essentially myself go around the track and see kind of how big of a gap i had but then i saw a white bike like slowly creeping up behind me and it was like oh man it's gotta be brandon price because he was on pbr at the time and you know at the end of it i didn't find out until the last lap or until the uh checkers when crossed the line that's when i looked behind me i was like oh it's Shayna," and then (laughs) By the time I, I put myself together and was like, oh, I got to make the corner. I was already in the marbles and everything. And it, it just carried me all the way up to the track, all the way to the top of the track. And I, if you watch the video, because I have it, I came in and it was just like a straight slide. And I was honestly panicking at that point, but still pumped. And I was trying to get the thing to turn, trying to get the thing to turn. And you can see me like the bike goes all the way to the locks. It bounces off the locks. It uh, comes back and it shoots me straight at the air fence and I get the thing turned like just in time to like wall ride the fence a little bit and then out of it and I give you know a good fist pump but I was pumped you know it was one of those things that I couldn't believe that it had worked out in that in that way but it was one of the easiest races I'd say from just hitting my marks and I actually ended up if you look at the podium photos you can see we had those uh, adjusters on the swing arm where it basically the adjustment goes to the back of the swing arm instead of in the swing arm. 
the adjuster actually pulled all the way through the swing arm and i was racing with like four inches of slack in the chain so that i got so lucky that thing didn't pop off yeah i uh I'd give you shit for almost crashing after the finish line, but I, I, I did the exact, I crashed after sack, uh, two years ago. So it, it happens to the best of us, but yeah, that was sick, man. That was a good win. Obviously. Um, the, the video, you have to repost that video. It's been a minute since I've seen it, but, um, it, the save after the, uh, the finish was really good. I, I wanted to ask you too, there's a video and I'm, I'm winning. It's, it's a semi, I think it's from Calistoga. And I have a pretty decent gap, like big, big heat race guy that year. Um, but you come around and you're like in third or fourth place. It's like a slow-mo video and you're standing up, like going down the straightaway in the middle of the race. Uh, did, what was that? Like, I never asked you. Man, like I said, you know, with, with the limited funding that we had, I was out there to have as much fun as I possibly could. And I was like right behind Jesse and there was a there was like kind of a rut or a bump coming out of four so i like got my butt off the seat just so it wouldn't upset anything too much and for whatever reason i just kept going up and then it, it didn't feel bad on the exit like it was so hooked up at calistoga everything was just planted so it was, and my bike was slow so i didn't have to worry about the thing like spinning up and, and pitching me off so i kind of that that's kind of where it comes from but yeah it's a funny video we'll have to post that one as well it's like when i saw that i'm like what the fuck is he doing like we're all sitting like charging probably you probably go 100 mile an hour on that straightaway like it's a fast track and like three of us go by and then here's you just like standing up and it was a slow-mo video i forget who even took it but it, it was so funny i remember, I remember watching that. Um, yeah, I mean, you for one lap, I couldn't believe that somebody actually caught it. I didn't know if like one of your boys or somebody like you told them like, hey, I'm going to stand up. but <laughs> It was just ran They randomly caught it. Yeah, honestly, that was just pure luck. <laughs> That's amazing. That's destiny right there. Um, You rode the singles class for heaps, man. Like you've been in it since six, seven, eight years now, I guess it is. But talk about the transition, maybe like over the years in the singles class, like how much has it changed? You know, what are your thoughts on the competition? And we'll talk about this later in the pod, but you've ridden production twins. You've done a super twins race or two. Um, so like the singles class alone, what's, what's it like right now versus when you started riding the singles class? So when I first started riding, it was kind of like, and this is like trying to remember because like I was I was relatively new to the whole atmosphere. I didn't really grow up and like get to experience a whole lot of pro racing. And for me, when I first like kind of came into the 450 class and, and being on a like as far as like being on a, a pro, like it just felt like instead of being against all the amateurs that, you know, I knew I was towards the top of that list. Then when I went uh pro is like oh everyone's my speed and it's like so initially i kind of already fell in into like understanding how fast everybody was and knew that racecraft was going to be a bigger thing but it uh 
like over the years, like between the equipment changes, between everything that's kind of gone into it, dude, it's just gotten even more elite, I'd say. Because originally, like, there was, you know, a solid amount of people that were, were going after a win. And now this year, you know, we got what feels like we're just adding to people that are going to earn a win this year. So I want to say, I feel like 2018 was when we had like eight to 10 different winners. So, you know, with having that as kind of a baseline, it's, it's always been, you know, somebody's always kind of shown a little more potential than everybody else. So obviously we kind of see that year in and year out, but, Every single year, whenever, you know, somebody steps up their game, it just it's it's been everybody that steps up their game. So there's really like we're getting we're, we're at the pinnacle of the sport where it's as fast as you can possibly go on these bikes. Yeah, and it's it's crazy, actually, like looking back when I first started started riding a 450, if you had if you had 60 horsepower, you had a missile. Like, you know, like the old car bikes, like getting to 60, it was like, there's no way that thing has 60 horsepower. Now it's, I don't even know where we're peaked at. I've heard 70 is a number. I've heard, I mean, but I know like my stock KTM, it's like 58, right? Like how fast are these bikes stock now? I don't even, I don't even know if I know, but it's just crazy how far along they've, they've come. Um, I have a KTM that I, that I've been riding and I didn't even know I found out this morning that my bike has um, like you can change the map on the handlebar. Uh, I was talking to Paul Ott and he's like, Hey, did you try it? Um, I was like, the bike felt kind of slow, whatever. And he's like, did you try map two? I'm like, what the fuck's that? He's like, there's a map thing on your bar. You can change the map. And then there's also like a TC button you click and it like makes it have more grip. <laughs> like I didn't know any of this on my bike. It's, it's like a, a boomer getting an iPhone. Like I'm like, oh shit! I was like, cool. So next time I go, I got new stuff to try. But yeah, it's it's crazy how far along the bikes have come and how fast they are. And you know, obviously, you're on on the the Turner Racing bikes now. And um, you know, I don't know how much you can talk or say about it, but you jumped off like the KTM, like the steel frame bikes, and then you, but you rode Hondas like back in the day but then you went ktm and now you're back on the turner hondas and obviously they're not no regular hondas they're they're special <laughs> they're great bikes but what do you think is the um and i'm gonna play devil's advocate what do you think's the biggest pros and cons of the honda versus like the steel frame bikes because you did really well on the ktms too yeah i was uh i was really fortunate for what i had with my ktm i had a one-off cam that I don't think anybody else had. So, you know, I, I know that getting cams was very difficult to acquire at that time. But, you know, when I when I first got it, the thing was linear and smooth. And, you know, I knew there wasn't an issue on if the thing made, made enough power. So I knew I had a competitive bike right out of the gate. And, you know, I, I had Jimmy Wood help me out a little bit with suspension as far as like he would revalve it if we were at a track and it needed it. So, you know, suspension-wise, I was taken care of. And it was more so, like, 2021 was such a big learning year. And, you know, making sense of knowing that every adjustment I made 
was something that I had to make sense of and, and it had to be logical. I had to have a reason to go in the direction that I was going. So it was, uh, for me, it was much more mental in that sense of like, once I got done and we were ready for the main event, it's like, yep, I've done everything I need to with this thing. And, you know, this bike will, you know, this is what I got. This is my weapon. And this year it's been, you know, I, I don't know essentially as much as I do uh, on the suspension uh, as far as like what we all got. But, you know, this past year, it, it would have been something that would have been nice to just kind of, you know, get out and do a lot more testing on some car tracks on things that you know have merit to some aft races and that you know that would have been ultimately like a big learning experience for the entire team but you know we never really got that opportunity with uh with the two months we had off in the beginning of the year in between some of the events and then you know everything picked up in july and from july on or june on was just you know felt like every single weekend but, you know, like the differences, like, I don't know, people say like they can feel the frames flex and all these small, intricate things. And it's like, like, I, I don't think I'm quite that sensitive. I'm more so geared towards suspension. And, you know, I don't really believe in the whole frame flexing thing. Just because, like, it's... you don't mess with like the motor mounts and stuff like that. Like, people, some people they swear by either having them or not having motor mounts. And like, dude, I don't fucking know. Like it's the same people that when they don't win a race, it's like, man, I should have took out that two pounds of air pressure. I'm like, come on, dude. Like nothing to do. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm with you. I always like, I always, I always feel like I'm the reason I didn't do well. I never, I mean, it's, you can always make the bike a little better, but I'm always thinking like, dude, if Briar rode my bike right now, he'd be, he would, he would win on it. So it's like always trying to work on yourself and not the bike. But I would, I mean, I was just curious, like, um, you know, what, what the difference is in your, in your opinion, but, um, no, that's, that's good info too. I mean, you got, so your teammates this year, you have Sadhoff and then you have Trent. Um, you guys, you guys seem to have a pretty good relationship, right? Like how, how has that been with your, uh, with your teammates? Do you guys, do you guys share a lot of info like at winter throwdown? Are you guys coming off and actually like helping each other or is, is there a level of like, you know, I'll help, but I'm not trying to fully give away all the, all the good shit. I mean, I think everybody on the team has a good relationship. There's not anybody where it's like, they're difficult to deal with, uh, with Trent coming on the team. I don't know him that well, but I know he's a good kid. I don't have any issues with him. And it's just something that, you know, I know as time goes, we're just going to form a better relationship and everything will work itself out and, and, you know, improve. So, I mean, with him coming off of a privateer Honda onto this team, I know he's impressed because <laughs> I, I can't imagine what the stock Honda or like a, a privateer Honda is like, but I know what this thing is. And these things are so impressive. So, you know, it's like Chase and I have complete opposite riding style. I, uh, like I, I know my throttle control is really good and chases is, you know, you might as well just put a button on the thing. So it's on, off, on, <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, you guys all, you guys are all really different riders, honestly. I mean, I would say you and Trent are, 
are similar. Like you guys both yeah. have good clay track tendencies and, um, but you guys both have had pretty good results on cushions as well over the years. Um, yeah, those bikes are really good. I actually, Trent has a Turner racing Honda practice bike. I actually rode it for hours yesterday and man, it was good. So, um, no, I'm just kidding, Mike. I know Mike Turner listens. I didn't ride your bike too. <laughs> Did you think I rode it when I started saying that? Uh, dude, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, uh, I know I wouldn't let you ride it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just messing. Yeah. Mike, Mike, Mike listens, uh, all the pods. He's a good guy. I just thought I'd give him a little shot. I mean, I will ride one, dude. Like people are like, well, you know, would you ever ride a single? I'm like the only way I'd ever ride the singles class um like over the years is if i had like a turner honda and we went to like okc mile like get it on cushion mile where you don't have to follow anybody i don't have to worry about anybody sawing my leg off in the corner um and i can just ride a really fast bike but uh no it's it's really cool obviously like the proof is in the results on on how fast uh your guys's bikes are and and uh yeah no it's it's gonna be cool to see you guys guys race this year what uh you know we, we've talked about chase and trent obviously you have uh max whale and uh trevor bruner and tom drain and cody cobb's decent he's not that good but he's all right and you got a, a couple other good guys in the class that you have to race with who are you looking at as your like biggest competitors really for this year i'm trying to think did i miss anybody obviously like chad and and james are coming in on the huskies you have um uh shit who am i missing Merck? anyway who who are you looking at for for like biggest competition um for a championship this year well obviously cody the defending champ he's all right but you know we'll see we'll see how the whole program ends up shaping up over there but you know it's dude it's gonna be a, a tight battle depending on you know whatever track we go to uh cody showed that it didn't really matter what track it was, you know, he was, he was out to win the thing. So, you know, I, I think he's going to be the biggest competition in general. You know, he's, he's somebody that you got to get ahead of, you know, you got to do something to slow him down. And when we, uh, when we get the ball rolling here in, in March, we'll know more, but you know, it's, it's going to be a battle to, the last round i mean i i'm i would say i'm excited to race dalt on a dalton bike i would say dalton, yep, uh, dalton just just the friendly competitiveness of it you know that's not him and i don't really uh ride very dirty with each other we've always been very very clean and you know i, I like that aspect of it and you know we'll see how everything shapes up this year with him changing brands and being on something different so you know, it's it's more so like the the fun competitiveness between the friends that you know have been fortunate to form, and you know, hopefully, you know, we'll see we'll see if anybody makes me mad enough to hit this year. So, you know, it's it's not going to be a, a cut and dry. You know, putting blinkers. Lost Merg. What the hell, Merg? You know, what'd you what'd you do? I didn't do any of that. I know your phone cut out. Um, now you're talking about like people you're racing, if they piss you off or not. Yeah. Yeah. Cause <laughs> I mean, if it, it, I mean, if it, if it comes down to it, you know, I, I don't really have, uh, 
an issue with moving anybody. It's more so like how they're going to react after I had to move chase at the end of the season this past year to kind of squeeze my way into third in the championship. So I know (laughs) we were coming off the track and he had his hand and they're like, dude, what the hell was that? And I'm just like, I had to, I, you know, like, (laughs) so I know he came off the track a little fiery, but I spoke to him after and everything was fine. So, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. You know, it's the competitiveness of everything and, you know, finding the, the sport in it and having a bunch of fun with a bunch of people that, you know, ideally have the same respect for you as you have for them. And that's kind of what you get to see when you're out there. So, you know, ideally just not have to battle with the people in the back of the pack where, you know, everything goes and they don't, they don't care. They're not looking at a, a bigger picture. They're there to, you know, move forward or at least get one more spot. (laughs) Yeah. I I honestly think it hurts. Like it hurts people like the guys that run up front, it hurts their win ratio, like going for wins. When you look at the bigger picture, like, um, and you you know, and this is a bad example, but like Henry at Peoria, I mean, he would, he would be great at Peoria. The, the best, the, the, the records speak for themselves. Like he's, he's crushed at Peoria every year, but he's never had to be like in a championship. Like, like Meese, he, it's always like, all right, you know, if I can get out of Peoria with a second, you know, or get a third, I, I think it holds people back a little bit, like from going for those wins. And like I said, Henry, if you're listening, that's a bad example. Like you're, you know, a lot of respect for what you've done at Peoria, but like, I, I get what you're saying as well. Um, you know, people that are in, in it for the bigger picture, at least for me, like we're not taking unnecessary risks. Like last year, like castle rock for me, like, dude, if I can get a second or third, I, I don't need to win, you know? So it's, uh, it'd be nice to kind of be a part-time guy in some aspects where you can show up, wreck havoc, go for the win. And if you don't win who fucking cares, you know, it's like, um, but that that's actually interesting to hear that perspective a little bit. Um, do you have a guy you hate racing? Like uh, Robbie Bobby, he has like we have a segment we call like "fuck that guy." Um, do you have a guy that you that you're not you know you don't like racing? You know he doesn't like you. Uh, I mean you're pretty you're you seem like you get along with just about everybody. Like I don't hear anybody say it, man. I hate Merg. So uh, is there a guy out there? Uh, I mean. I don't really think so. I mean, it's more so like if we look at last year, I would say somebody that I didn't want to be around on the track at all would have been Trevor Bruner. And that's just out of, you know, red mile. We're two, three laps in and, you know, he runs into the side of me for, you know, it's a mile. We got another eight minutes left. And I looked back at him and I gave him a, a hand wave like, dude, what are you doing? Like, I kind of gave him the benefit of the doubt when Max went down. We were circulating on the cool down lap. And, you know, I was kind of like, I get it. You know, the draft sucks you in. Things like this happen. But, you know, the fact that you didn't learn from it, that's what really fired me up and pissed me off about that. Because it's like, dude, like, not so much bigger picture in the series, but bigger picture in life. Like dude, why do you like, you don't really need to be doing anything like that right now because it's not the last four or five laps. It's not time to do that. It's, you know, we're, we're just basically sorting out 
position and I get it. I get it. You want to be up front. I get it. You want to be leading the thing, but you know, having that patience on a mile, that's kind of the, that was the part that really like pissed me off was we're not going slow. This isn't a short track. You know, it's, it's something that we're, we're playing, we're playing some cards and things are getting intense, but you know, it's something that needs to be kind of thought out. So, you know, yeah. mile race, nothing happens super fast until something goes wrong, then it happens way too fast. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, it makes it, it makes it not fun. Like it, it's nerve wracking when you're around guys that you don't trust. So it definitely helps. Like when I moved up in the, you know, super twins or whatever, the guys you're racing with on a mile, it makes mile racing fun when you're riding with guys who they understand that bigger picture. I mean, I watched like the amateur nationals last year. I watched some video. I couldn't believe how you think your class is bad. Watch like with the amateurs at the coin last year. Like they're literally cutting people off on purpose down the straightaway. It was like horrific to watch. Um, yeah, and it's and they just don't know no better. And they're doing it for a trophy. They don't even get they're yeah. not even getting paid. We're getting paid. It's like Kenny from uh where the Millers. <laughs> you guys are getting paid. Um, yeah, it's uh but I I think generally speaking, the singles class in a whole has gotten a little bit better with like you know, the respect thing. Like when I was due, when I was in it, even four or five years ago, it was nerve wracking. And generally like all the guys at the front now, they're like really experienced and like good riders where you don't see that much, but yeah, the, the Trevor thing at, uh, at red mile, that was, that was definitely questionable, but hopefully he's learned from it. I mean, he's a dude, he's a great rider. He's just, he's just aggressive, you know? And he doesn't, I don't, obviously it wasn't like, he like intentionally did it, but it's like, dude, you did it twice. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's, he'll learn from it and hopefully and, and move on, but, uh, yeah. So a couple more things here. I'll let you, let you roll. Um, so you rode production twins a little bit with, uh, Vance and Hines team. You rode, uh, Alan Rodenborn's Kawasaki twin. You did a super twins race. I actually forgot all about this until I was looking up your stats. I'm like, Oh shit. I forgot he did that. Uh, I think that was Devil's Bowl. You rode the Indian. Talk about your twins' experience, and do you like the twin? Are you? What's your long term plan in the sport? I mean, that's such. I laugh saying that because I know, like, as a racer, you're literally year to year just hoping you get a ride, hoping you get sponsors. I mean, even when I was winning championship, winning winning championship, it's like, dude, I hope people sponsor me next year so I can race. So that's it's just it's a broad question. But what would your long term plan be? Do you want to get back on a twin? Because your results were pretty good on it. So I know this question has been like asked to me multiple times. Like I feel I don't feel bad on a twin. I don't feel you know I haven't had time to like really make something that's for me, but you know, from that aspect, like what turns me off from racing a twin, I'd say is, uh, is just the in instability of the rules. You know, like, I, like if, if I were to out of pocket be pursuing that class, I would not make it far just with how many rules are thrown at everything. What has all been like, kind of, you know, the, the, it, it was different back when everybody was on XRs. Cause it was like, a you had packed like package engines that everybody was on. So everything was equal. And then it came down to chassis and suspension. So 
you know, that that's what kind of made the sport great in a sense, because we had so much longevity out of the XR. And then, you know, the RS came in, kicked Harley's ass and we see how that went. It was it was we're stuck in this cycle that whenever anything outproves the competition of whatever somebody has to pay the price of being restricted and being you know having something taken from them which is seen as an advantage and i i get it we want to make it competitive but you know if we look at the set in the sense of the indian the indian is the best built flat tracker ever it hasn't had the ability to be you know ran for the past 40 years but if it had, I guarantee there'd be a lot more Indian championships than XR championships. And with everything that's kind of going on with it, you know, the instability of it, like that's nothing that I myself want to put myself in a position to say, yeah, I want to do that for 10 years. I want to get, you know, restricted and, and have to chase these things for so long and, and, you know, jump through these hoops. So you know, that's what ultimately turns me off from that. And I get it, you know, because I know NASCAR and a bunch of like F1, those guys are continually innovating everything that they can in order to improve what the product that they have. So, you know, with them, it's they're they're on the cutting edge of technology and, you know, they're pursuing a, a, so many different avenues to get a tenth of a second, which is huge. So, you know, for, for me to do that, that's not real. That's not a thing. So, you know, it's, uh, looking at it, if I like my future moving forward is it all depends on the opportunities. It's not something that I'm going to like, oh, I want to finish my career as a twins rider and, you know, go for it for three years and try to make something of it. Like it's every single year, it just depends on the opportunities. Cause I know as my, like for myself, I'm going to do everything I have to do and everything that I can do to be the, the best person for the race that's coming up. So, you know, it's, I, I more so look at myself as being a product to continually improve rather than the equipment. So, you know, it's, it's just going to come down to the opportunities and, if any knowledge I can throw at it to improve it. But, you know, until we, until we get there, I'm just going to be following the opportunities that are presented upon me. Nah, dude, I like that. I mean, that's a really insightful answer, man. I was uh, impressed by that. No, I agree a hundred percent. It's like the two year landscape alone. It's questionable. Like we know what, what, what's going on for this year, but like a lot of guys are building those KTM twins and they really can only run the eight nineties for one year. So it's so hard for somebody like a privateer to go twins racing, build a 35, $40,000 bike. And then like, it's not good anymore. It's not just a, and like AFT, they're just like, it, it seems like, Oh, we'll just put restrictors in it. We'll just, you know, give you a heavy wheel. Oh, we're going to take the heavy wheel away. Then we're going to give it back. Kind of. It's like, the cost and like just the time, like guys work full-time jobs. Like there's guys that are, you know, they work till six o'clock at night. They have a family, they eat dinner and then they're trying to figure out in the garage what the hell they're doing. So yeah, it's, <laughs> it's uh yeah, that's, that's the biggest thing. And 
man, it's crazy too. Like when I, when I went singles racing because of this, like, um, it just the opportunity and it made sense for me. I got hammered. Like, I can't believe he's riding. And now it's like fucking everybody's done. You know, they bounced around at one point, everybody, not everybody, but most of the top guys have went to a single or they've went to production twins minus like the Mises and Briars and things like that. I mean, whatever option is best for you, like my advice for any pro racer is go do what you can to get paid racing a motorcycle. Like even if that requires you racing a hooligan bike, like whatever you can do to, um, to get paid to race is what you should be doing. I mean, obviously personal goals, like if your personal goal is you want to be a twins champion, then, then yeah, go for that. But, you know, I think generally speaking, you know, I think you're in a good spot and you have the ability you've, you've shown people that you can ride a twin. So if that opportunity is down the road, they won't say like, well, he can't ride a twin. It's like, well, he's, you know, you've been on the podium in production twins on a, you know, riding a twin. So I think your uh, ability, you know, has shown that you can ride different equipment. Um, and speaking of that, I, I got, I wanted to bring this up, dude, you got second at Peoria TT last year. Um, (laughs) (laughs) that was, I I was going to ask, like, wanted to talk about that a little bit. You're dude, And you've got second, I think you got second or third at Lima last year, the year before, um you've been kind of known as like a clay track guy but you've really kind of you know spread your wings a little bit on these other tracks uh you got third points the last two years what can you do personally to close that gap um in your opinion like what what's it going to take to move up one or two spots in the points like what what improvements can you make so i mean for me like Dude, I remember in 2021 when I was on my own KTM, I didn't really feel like I rode that much. But every single weekend when I came into it, I felt great. Like, just from an overall standpoint, I was happy to be at the races, like, in a sense of, like, okay, what's going to happen this week? Like, you know, coming off of whether it be third at Lima after coming from however far back and, you know, getting blasted by Roost that entire time. It was, you know, it's something that uh, I know this year, like picking up training more and, you know, just being more involved on a bike, no matter what the uh, discipline. And I mean, for Peoria, I put in a lot of work, like, because uh, I want to say Port Royal was right before Peoria. And then we had two weeks off, maybe three weeks off. And I remember like I had a, a shoulder issue that I was battling where I, you know, it wasn't a hundred percent. So that first week that I was going through that, I was a mental mess. I was trying to figure out like, cause I understand that Mike being a, you know, having the Honda support, we have to, we have to have three riders on the grid and knowing that and knowing that like there wasn't a shred of me that was going to allow anybody to replace me for any of these rounds like it would it would take a lot to keep me out of it so for me i did everything possible to make sure that i was in the best possible shape for it and like with having to fight through getting my shoulder like figured out and and working again it was it took a lot and like it it was honestly like a, a hell week for me leading into peoria but when it came to 
getting down to Peoria and racing, like the hell that I put myself through going into it was relieved after I got second there. Cause it's like, I just worked my ass off. And for this to be the reward shows basically what I have to do all, all this year. So this entire year is going to be hell. <laughs> yeah. Do I mean, it's, it's been really cool to see, like, like I said, the Peoria thing and the, the, uh, I dude, I remember, I don't remember what, what year it was, but we were at Greenville and it's like the first time I've talked to you, like you were like a young kid and you were struggling on the cushion. Like, you're just like, dude, what do I do? And I'm like, I don't know, man, you literally just don't turn the throttle off. You just keep it pinned. It's pretty easy. And you're like, I can't figure it out. And, and then, uh, like you didn't do very well that, I mean, did all right, but it wasn't like you were, you weren't George Roder on the cush. Like it was, and then, and then you got, you know, second at second at Lima and then even at Peoria this year, like you were actually making ground on, uh, on the leader. So yeah, it's been, uh, it's been really cool to see. Um, I usually do a high low line where I do this or that and you kind of, you pick one or the other and I I'm really unprepared for this. So I actually, I'm just going to ask a bunch of random questions and, uh, and get some short answers. But as far as super twins goes in 2023 this year, who are you picking to win? Okay. Uh, let's see. So I know, I know Jared's coming off defending the championship. He's going to be tough to beat. Obviously, you know, he's got a, a extensive resume. Um, I want to I want to say I'm in Briar's corner on this one just because uh, like, I don't know, man. I'm torn between Jared and Briar just because I want to see Jared get the get that ninth championship and tie it up with uh, tied up with Scott Parker. And I mean, I want Briar to win the thing. So, I mean, I'm not really out on <laughs> I'm kind of on both sides of the fence there. It's not one over the other. I want to see, you know, obviously both sides succeed, but. You know, somebody obviously has to get second. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Briar. Briar, okay. Uh, this is a this or that question. You like four riders on a row or six riders on a row? Personally, four, just because I know this year we didn't have any issues first corner. You know, it it gets a little bit cramped and like just having that little bit of peace going into the first corner for myself, as far as like not having to worry about hooking bars, like, you know, 10 feet down the, down the line, that kind of helps. So from that sense of like keeping races moving and not having to worry about those first term pileups, restarting everything and, you know, everything having a way to sort itself out sooner and easier. I I like that idea. I mean, I personally I think we should invert it. Let's start with the slowest guy and then like stagger it all the way back. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> no. Yeah, I was going to say they do that shit in car racing. It looks I'd be so annoyed. Um I agree. I think the four rider thing is one of the most underrated best decisions they've done at AFT. Um, yeah, I really like I really like that. And it's made a difference, honestly, on first corner and first lap crashes. Uh timed or lapped races. Like, would you rather be a timed or just have a set number of laps? Uh, make them endurance races. <laughs> Camelbacks on the back, stop the pit. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um 
Yeah, man, I thought the time thing would have been cooler. Like when they did it, I was like, yeah, I, I like the time thing. Like, but honestly, like the time changes depending on what track you're on or what class you're in. And I never know. Like, I never know what, what time in it, like how many, how long we're going to go for until like we line up. Like I'm like, um, yeah, it's just, it's too much to kind of follow. So not as cool as I thought it was going to be. Um, yeah, right there with you on that. Cause I mean, when I look at the clock and it says like a minute 10 and I'm just kind of like, you know, I don't really have the time to think about this at the moment of like how many laps I have left and I have to add two to that. So, you know, that's not, that's not high on my mind. That's just kind of something that I'm like, I have to glance at and be like, okay, like, you know, keeping an eye on it. It, it means nothing to me when I look at it and it says uh, amount of time on the, on the clock. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of missed the laps in that sense because like five to go. OK, I know that these five laps I need to push and I need to hit everything, every single one of my marks. But, you know, it's it's a horse of peace when you, you get down to it. The white flag comes out when the white flag comes out. <laughs> yeah, I think they fucked up a little bit when they did the time races. The first Super Twins race of Volusia, they did like 38 laps. It's like, all right, somebody just throw the checker. This is like <laughs> this is way too long. So. Um, got a couple more for you. I've thought of on the spot here. You're going into the last corner and you have, uh, one rider behind you. Who would you rather it not be Tyler Scott or Trevor Bruner? Oh my God. That's, I'm going to say Tyler Scott on this one, just because like, he doesn't care. Like if, if he's not doing the entire, uh, entire series, it doesn't matter to him he'll he'll take both of us all the way up the track and i mean you know i would i would like to think that trevor would have a little bit more of an idea and like i get it he's pushing but still like he's got more of the season to go and there's more things to come but you know it's that's that that's a really really good question but i'm gonna say tyler <laughs> scott just because like his bike skill is very scary in that sense because it's like he knows where your front wheel is. He might as well just you might as well just put a a red beacon on your front fender for him to just have a straight line to. <laughs> yeah, he's 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 aggressive to say it to say it uh like simple like he he's definitely aggressive. Nah, I yeah I don't know man. I think that's probably probably what I'd go with too. Um, I've never really raced with Tyler or Trevor that much. Um. Man, I don't know if I've ever raced with Trevor. I'm sure I have at like maybe like an all-star race or something. But yeah, I've never had any issues with uh with either one at this point. But yeah, I mean it's yeah, it's it's that is a that's an interesting one. Um in your opinion, who is the best rider ever to come out of Wisconsin? Oh man. <laughs> I mean it's now it's like kind of tied up between JR and Jesse. I don't know all of JR's stats. I know, you know, he he's he battled it for a number of years and you know, he's obviously a goat. And when it comes to Wisconsin, I'm gonna say him. I don't know how good Corky Keener was. I think he came out of Wisconsin. Like Was he from Wisconsin? I didn't know that. Was he? I have no idea. I have no idea. People are probably listening. You're gonna, they're not gonna be stoked on uh or la I mean that guy was good. Like that was before my time, but he he was definitely uh definitely really fast. I'm gonna look it up actually now that we're uh 
we're talking here. I, I have no idea if he's, I thought he was more of a Michigan. Yeah. Born and raised. Guess where he's from in Michigan. Flint. Oh, dang it. <laughs> Flint, dang Michigan. It. So if we don't know where somebody's from, we're just going to say Flint, Michigan. Cause that's pretty much where they're, where they're all from. But yeah, he was, uh, Mr. Dirt. His nickname was kind of a stupid nickname, Mr. Dirt, but, uh, cause we all race on dirt. I mean, I don't know, Mr. Dirt, but yeah, he's, uh, I'm going to say number 33. Like when it comes down to like being out of Wisconsin, I'm going to say number 33. Does that, is that good? I was going to say schnobs. Yeah. I mean, Jesse is, uh, he's made a strong case for second. Like, uh, and if you're second to JR, I mean, he's probably like, I'm not even in the same conversation. It's like, shut up, dude. You're in the condo. It's, uh, but, uh, schnobs was, that guy was a problem. I remember lining up my first race next to him. It was like a cushion somewhere on a cushion. And I'm just like, look, I'm like 95 pounds, just fresh out of high school and have this monster JR schnobble on my, it was like, dude, he was, he was fun to watch his, uh, talking about pushing a button where the throttle is. He might as well literally just push the button on. Like he, he was, uh, he was fun to watch. I, I miss, I miss, miss watching JR. Um, Fun fact, Merg, actually, you know, the bios on a uh, AFT, like it shows everybody's bio and shit. Yeah. They deleted me off the rider bio. So it's official. I'm, I am retired. Cause I'm, I am not on the bio, <laughs> the bio uh, on the website anymore, but fun fact. Also Jay Maloney is on there still. And he hasn't raced pro since 2020 and Mac McGrew is still on there. So, um, they're just ready to get the fuck rid of me. I guess I, I went on the day to look at how many laps, like, cause they, they like keep track how many laps she led. And I just wanted to see, I was talking to somebody. I was like, I don't even know how many laps I led. I went to look up my bio and I'm, I'm off, I'm off the, uh, I'm off the website. So, um, I guess that's I mean, what it is. Gonna strongly worded email or letter. I mean, <laughs> you know, that's, that's past achievements and past history that, you know, obviously, I think they should keep around, you know, it's something that I would be curious if, you know, I were to look back, I would want that answer. Yeah. So, well, strongly worded letters that they don't get far most of the time. Um, but cool, man. Well, you got Daytona short track. Are you more stoked on having the short track or more stoked on where you hoping it was Volusia? Like what, what's the, the Merg preference on the season opener? I'm just happy it's close. Uh, but you know, I, it'd be kind of cool just to have both, you know, like I, I want to have my cake and eat it too, but, uh, between the two, we know what kind of facility Daytona is and we know how unpredictable the beginning of the year is as far as weather. So, you know, if anything, if there was any reason for evolution not to happen or Daytona not to happen, at least having another location would help with that. I mean, even I have a question for you at the end of this. So, you know, fire it off, dude. Fire it off right now. What's up? All right. Right now. Uh, what do you think would be the optimal way to run an AFT race, given that we have however many riders we have? But basically, the answer I want to hear, whichever I'm going to answer it for you, <laughs> is I just want our, our races to start at the evening and we we're not a seven hour program. We're not a 12 hour program. I a hundred percent agree. I, I think we, we waste a lot of time 
uh, the program now is, it's not what I would personally, what I would do. Um, I would definitely change up the program. And I don't, the biggest thing for me, it's probably not the most important, but it's, it's getting to the track at 10 AM and not racing until four or going out on the track till four. I mean, it's, yeah, no, I, I agree. And honestly, it would probably help track prep a lot too. So, um, I don't know what the answer is really. How would you structure it? And what would, what would, if you own the series, if you were in charge, how would basically the events run? based on the days, based on the times and obviously sun. Yeah, that is a good question. I mean, without giving away too much free info, I would, yeah. I mean, I think, man, ah, put me on the spot. I don't want to give a, give an answer without thinking too much. Yeah. I mean, dude, I, I don't know. And I've, I've said it before, like a lot of it goes, a lot of it starts the you know the uh the off season like the planning of of the tracks we go to and the schedule of when we go to them i think we could do our, ourselves a lot more favors and i think the schedule's better this year but like not going to places like sack in the middle of summer and right? not going to um not building a track in a parking lot in laconia with shitty dirt i actually had somebody hit me up from laconia last week asking if I wanted to promote a race at, at the speedway. Um, and I'm like, on what track? And they're like, yeah, we have the track we rode last year. I'm like, that's, that's not a track that was dirt in a parking lot. So, um, I think a lot of it is, is just getting, being more prepared leading up to the events where you can go out and we don't have to stop and prep the track for 45 minutes after we start or, you know, there's been times where we overwater the track as the sun's going down and we're sitting there waiting for the the track to dry out. So, man, that's a broad question, Merg. I don't know if I could like fully sit down and and on the spot come up with a schedule. Um, what, what, what What's your thoughts? Like what what's the number one thing you would do as far as that goes? Um, I don't know. Is, is there? Yeah, I mean, I'm curious when, when you're when you answered, I'll, I'll think on something. So, like, for me, what I would rather see, because, I mean, think about SAC, you know, that place, it really it really operates well. Uh, you know, first practice, second practice, we're starting to lay down a groove. I think, you know, over just kind of getting rid of the groove in general. Like, we all know how to ride the track, and it'll make it more conducive for lines, you know, if we're not, like, if we're actually able to chase moisture, like, we've seen in the past and i don't know if you know tire compounds and all that come into play but you know it's this past year i don't feel like we've been you know chasing moisture like if we look at volusia and i know that with how much rain they got and everything that kind of and the different track surface that all came into play but you know i do feel like we're battling you know AFT is battling elements that they can't control. You know, obviously 100 degree summer weather in California isn't ideal. And I mean, I well, that's I why you just avoid it. I feel like you just avoid that's you you avoid putting it on the schedule, like or at that time of the year. Um, like I definitely year, think sure. there's a lot of races that we go to, like Missouri last year in April. Like it was literally snowing weeks a couple weeks prior to us being there. Um, 
I think we just get ahead of ourselves on opportunities and we think like, like going Laconia during bike week, like, all right, like, cool. We're going to race during Laconia bike week. So let's just put this track in the parking lot. And, and I'm not saying the, the effort wasn't there. Like I know Brian and Steve or whoever went out to the track and, and, uh, and looked at it and did whatever. But, um, yeah, I don't think people hammer the track prep guys and I don't, think they're all-stars sometimes with the decisions they make but a lot of the times that they're not given a fair shot um you know they they were showing up to these tracks and the weather like sack man that was brutal um i don't know i mean there's there's so much that you could do or rearrange the schedule um but with that being said like we're really not i don't think we're on the track that much before we start and we have one round of practice, four laps, two rounds of qualifying, four laps. So, or maybe it's five laps, but I don't think there's enough, enough track time. So I'd have to look down and sit and look at the schedule and, and see where you can make up time. I personally, I don't know how you feel on this, but I don't like having, and I'm sorry to the fans, but I don't like having fan walk in the middle of the day, uh, in the middle of the race, like if I'm suiting up, turning on my, you know, my, my mind to go race. And then I got to stop midway through and talk with fans. And it's just hard. It's hard as a rider to do that. I would rather it be at the end of the day. So I think we could save time there, condense the program. Um, but yeah, I mean, without sitting down and, and looking at the schedule, I'd have, it's hard for me to really answer that. Yeah. I think, you know, if, if we can condense this thing into a three, four hour program, which, you know, football is like three, four, five hour program that people are willing to sit and watch, you yeah. know? So I, I do think that if we did get an opportunity to start on a fresh track later in the evening, and I'm not saying practice and qualifying starts when the sun goes down more so like heat races or semis or whatever, like that track should be relatively brand new, kind of similar to, more so getting us out there during the day to do our practice qualifying. Cause I know, I know Jesse's brought this up that like back in the day, it was early in the morning, knock out your practice qualifying, get through everything you need to get through for that. And then, you know, you have an extended break until essentially sunset. Then you're on a a new track again, but yeah, I like that. I think you could do that. Like you could start and just get all the bullshit done in the morning and then like Daytona short track, we used to do that qualifying and then we'd come back at night and run the program. So, um, but man, we just sit around from 9am until 4pm and just don't, we just literally bullshit with people. Um, I mean, there's tech inspection, but how long does it take to tech 12 bikes? I mean, we, it, yeah, I mean, we could definitely, we could definitely look at something like that, or we could even, um, we could do like maybe uh, a five minute uh, five minute, two, five minute qualifying sessions too. like give, give everybody, um, you know, more, more laps like timed. And then you're not, you know what I mean? You're not sending out all the, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it, there's a lot of things you could look at, but I agree. I think we should, um, we should look at like having the track great for when it matters, um, at nighttime, like have it, you know, and that's like, a good racetrack helps the sport so much. Like if you have a guy or a a family, they come out to watch us race and they're motocross fans or they watch MotoGP or even if they watch football and they come to watch us on 
a shitty track where we're literally we look like squids and we're pro riders it it doesn't do justice for if they watch us at lima or if they watch us at you know rapid city half mile or like when it's good or you know something like that i think good racetracks are underrated in all aspects of the sport so i'm with you merg and i know you like the high line dude so um we could just just keep prepping the high line um we could be what is it what was it paris 19 you're just trend setting the the high line <laughs> Oh man, that was honestly. I was going through the pits, telling Jared, telling Briar, like, dude, the High Line is gonna come in. Like, it's fast up there. I need you guys to trust me because I remember I was I was watching like the first practice of Twins, and everybody was just stuck on the bottom, and it was like they formed a groove down there, and the groove was like pretty wide. It was you know at least like two three bike lengths wide. Yeah, and it was like you know watching that and seeing the banking up up on top i was the only one that gave it a shot and it was it was a little spooky the first time that i i went up there and and chased it but like from all the marbles and everything that got kicked up uh like i remember i was leading the semi with the wrong gearing which we kept on all day and like just basically like circulating the top and then finally i was in the lead and then like from everybody running the bottom coming off of uh the like making that transition from the top back onto the main racing line. Like I just about high side of my brains out on like the last lap. <laughs> Getting grip when you just were expecting. Was, was <laughs> oh man. No, nah, that was, that was fun to watch. You've had a lot of really good races so far, man. And I'm excited to see what you do this year. Obviously you got a really good shot to do well. And you know, you, third, you got third in the points two years in a row. So excited for what you guys put together you and the turner boys and appreciate you coming on the pod and, and chatting and obviously i'm like what 20 minutes from you all all winter so i'll be seeing you quite a bit dude and appreciate the uh taking the time yeah man i appreciate you having me on and you know i'm glad that we can really make some serious strides forward with this uh track scheduling deal and you know it's <laughs> you know just uh, shout out to my sponsors, all those guys that make these things happen for me. And, uh, you know, all the turn racing boys, I know they all work hard and they're never, never not working. So, you know, it's, it's awesome to have that opportunity and be here. And, you know, obviously third the past two years, only way up, only, only way we have left to go is up. So, you know, that's, that's obviously the goal for 23. Appreciate you, dude. Yeah, really, really good, insightful answers, man. And yeah, looking forward to seeing what you guys do this year. I'll chat you uh, real soon, dude. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, man. See you soon. All right, Merg. Peace, buddy. Yep. See ya. That was, uh, that was a really good podcast with Merg. Appreciate him coming on. I want to make sure we shout out these sponsors that, that make it happen. Real Estate Rispoli, James Rispoli, for coming on the, and supporting what we do in the podcast. He's your real estate guy in Florida. If you're making a trip, if you're planning to move, you want an Airbnb rental, hit up James or Spoli on social media, fastest realtor in racing. Shout out to Moto America, the whole crew for supporting our podcast and just everything they're doing with their, their sport. I'm stoked to be involved this year with the Mini Cup Series. Excited to kick off the Moto America season in Daytona. The Daytona 200 is going to be an awesome event excited to be there i'll be there all weekend we don't have mini cup but i'm gonna be be at moto america all weekend on the high banks in daytona i'm excited for that if you can get your tickets if you're gonna be in bike week don't miss that event if you're not gonna be there 
you can subscribe to their Live Plus package on Moto America Live Plus. Dunlop motorcycle tires. I've been putting some rubber down on the on the test tracks this winter already, and really thankful for Dunlop and their support of the podcast and flat track in general. The 19 inch and 17 inch flat track tires. They have off road. Uh, I got the brand new. I think it's brand new. Uh, I haven't heard of it at least. The MX 14 sand tire was the MX 12. Now it's the 14. It's a meaty, meaty tire. It's probably it's probably kind of just pop wheelies everywhere in the sand down here but i'm just excited to to be a dunlop guy and have them support our podcast uh they signed a new three-year deal with american flat track as well so excited for that jerry stinchfield keeps the podcast going keeps so many of the riders going the racing mishler was a uh, roof systems guy for a long time pretty much everybody who raced or currently races has has had some support with jerry over the years and he keeps our pod going as well manscaped do you want to drop three-tenths of a second on your lap times? All around the world, state-of-the-art swimmer and cycles are shaved down like a baby seal. It's time motorcycle racers do the same. To cut through the wind, you should be as smooth as a stick of butter. To do this, you need Manscaped in your life. Manscaped is AMA and FIM approved. The lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof, has a 7,000 RPM quiet stroke motor, and is designed to prevent nicks and tugs. Use the code 20% off and free shipping worldwide. On their website, it's tank slap 20. Again, manscaped.com. Use the code tank slap 20. We actually have a giveaway too. We have a manscaped giveaway. I forgot about that. We'll do that next week on the pod. And I want to give a shout out to Yamaha, Yamaha Motorsports and Yamaha Racing. I finally got my 23 Yamaha. I rode it two laps, heat cycled it, came back in the pits, and then I had to take Cruz to the ER because he wadded, wadded up on the P dub. So the first day I had it, I it was a tease. I didn't get to ride it at all. And then I actually took it back and rode it on Thursday at a PAX track, our, our buddy CJ at PAX, and got some really good laps on it. The thing is incredible. Um, it feels as light as my 250 did, but with way more power, and it turns like on a dime. I can see this bike being really good in flat track. I love it on the moto track. It's it's like we've talked about on the pod. It's crazy how far along these bikes have come, and Yamaha has just stepped up the game every year with these bikes and uh yeah it's it's uh it's really cool to see what they're doing i'm stoked to have one in my garage but that's a wrap on the pod appreciate everybody that, that tunes in all the sponsors supporters the guests subscribe on itunes soundcloud spotify we have the youtube thing going we're gonna try and uh, bust out another youtube here in the next few weeks um and then we're hoping to try and do the youtube thing once a month right now but uh yeah we're working on that and yeah shout out to all the people that support it with that being said that's a wrap on this one until next time we out <laughs>